I just didn't think. Couldn't get any worse than that. It 100% was rock bottom. And I thought to myself, she doesn't love us anymore. She doesn't love me, she doesn't love the kids. And it exploded when I got back to the room. We believe that the best gospel that you can live and exemplify is one that is of a healthy, thriving marriage. But that has not always been our story. I couldn't keep up with who I pretended to be. The shame overshadowed and masked reality. This marriage is awful. I want a divorce. I began to abuse alcohol. I was overwhelmed with rage. Here I am, a pastor, preaching sermons that are supposed to set someone free, but yet I felt bound myself. You don't have to live in the pain that you've been living in. Help was so close. It was so close. Join us as we unravel our story of addiction, redemption, and triumph in our marriage. This is our story. We were in the process of hitting the reset button. Yeah. And uh, we had taken time off. Mm -hmm. uh, we had been in so much counseling, yeah. intensives. Uh, we had really done a lot of work. Mm -hmm. uh, and they kept saying kind of the counselors and some of our oversight, like it's going to get harder before it gets mm -hmm. better. So we're on the plane and we get uh, to Hawaii and we started having a great time. Mm -hmm. I was going to play golf and uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, we we started out having a good time. I literally remember having the intention. Yeah. Of so it was an intention at that point of wanting to stop drinking. Yeah, I had the intention to slow down, moderate it as best as I can. I thought that I could moderate my drinking. Yeah. Um, I did not know that I couldn't. Wow. And I just remember trying desperately not to fantasize over the Smirnoff bottles that I saw in the grocery store wow. when I was trying to just get us supplies for our uh, room, you know, drinks and snacks and things like that. And wow. it was just right there in my face. And uh, yeah, it ended up being the worst vacation ever. Yeah. Um, but first, we we did have a couple good days. We, we did. Tried. We had a couple good days. And I remember even uh, this, I don't know if it was anxiety or, or, or whatever I felt uh, of even connecting, you know, mm -hmm. in intimacy. We began to connect and it felt real. And I was so hopeful. And I remember that next day uh, going to play golf. Mm -hmm. And when I would go play golf on vacation, you would go by the pool. And I, I could not concentrate on golf all day. I'm wondering, is she drinking? I'm wondering, are we gonna make it? Mm -hmm. Can I trust this? Is this going to be the time that, and if I'm honest with you, I didn't think so, like in those moments of fear. And, and so I was calling in and I was texting and you weren't yeah. answering the phone. And I was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. and I didn't know. And I remember coming back and just looking in your eyes and I mm -hmm. couldn't really tell And we were going to a luau uh, that night. And um, it was, in the Uber on the way to the luau. 
that I realized, I think she drank today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I definitely did. Wow. Uh, because the moment you left me alone, the te I couldn't resist the temptation. I had the desire to stop, but like I said, I couldn't stop. I bought that little bottle and s snuck it into the uh, my purse and put it in a water bottle thinking I was hiding it and um, continued to just set myself up for wow. failure. Um, I couldn't stop. Wow. And I didn't know it at the time. And I remember going to that luau and I was like, okay, you're gonna drink just a little bit so that you don't get tipsy and ruin the evening. Yeah. And we had a great time. Remember, we loosened up a little bit. We yeah. both had a drink. Yeah. Um, we uh, danced. Yeah. We uh, tried really hard to have a good time. I remember yeah. some of the pictures we took. Yeah. I had the flower in my hair. <laughs> we were really trying. Um, I think sadness started to set in towards yeah. the end of the evening. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Because I could feel your tension. It was like I wanted to engage in the moment because we were at a luau. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a big a big boy. You know, I, I was I was looking at the buffet. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I saw how uh, you were engaged and you were having fun and you were dancing and you were doing all of these things that typically you wouldn't do because you would feel insecure. And that's when I knew she's more than tipsy mm -hmm. because you were being something that you weren't in that moment. And although I wanted to have fun and I started, I had flashbacks of all the counseling sessions. Mm -hmm. I had flashbacks of all the broken promises. I had flashbacks of uh, the fights and the, and and I went from having hope again to being hopeless in the matter of a three hour luau. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember how silent that car ride was back to I do. our room. Mm -hmm. And I was overwhelmed with rage. Wow. I was overwhelmed with grief. Uh huh. And it exploded when I got back to the room. Mm -hmm probably one of the worst fights we've had, mm -hmm. probably one of the worst moments we've had, nothing physical, mm -hmm. but definitely way past what's acceptable. Yeah. I mean, I remember just feeling hopeless. I went outside after our big explosive argument and I only have bits and pieces of it in yeah. my memory because I don't remember like wow. because I had been drinking. Um, but I remember being outside, making my way outside onto the grass, sitting down and crying out to God and looking up at the sky and saying, God, this can't be it. This can't be it. There has to be more like, I'm miserable. I feel hopeless. I can't fix this. There has to be more to life than fighting and arguing and feeling as awful about myself um, as I did. And in that moment, you had already told me, like, I'm done. Yeah. Like, you either go to rehab or I'm walking away from this marriage. And yeah. the fact I knew you were serious for the mm -hmm. first time. You had thrown out divorce so many times throughout the course of our marriage, but it was different this time. I just remember feeling like, you know what? Maybe Jimmy and the kids would be better off without me. Wow. 
because there's no way that I could deal with the shame of going to rehab as a pastor, as a pastor's wife, as a mom, as a leader, wow. as a daughter, a sister. I just felt that I would shame you all and ruin your reputation and career and it was too much for me to handle. And that's when suicidal ideations crept in. Wow. But I knew that I couldn't take my life because that I think would hurt <laughs> my family more than I could bear in that moment. And so that outweighed my shame yeah. in that moment in time. I remember leaving to go to the airport without you. Um, and in my mind, I was just done. Just making it all about me uh, and the kids. And that's what it felt like. It felt like you were doing this to me. But it was almost a license now to, I'll just, you know, take porn to the next level. You know, I deserve this. I, I deserve, I didn't want to connect sexually anymore. I didn't want to uh, connect emotionally anymore. I completely shut down. And I remember how silent the house was. Yeah. I, I'm going to starve you of interaction. I remember that. I'm going to starve you of relationship. This is what you wanted. So now you have it. And when we got back, I just started to put in place divorce. I called an attorney. Uh, I literally called some pastor friends and was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be quitting and stepping down. Uh, they were like, well, what's going on? And I wouldn't tell them. And there was one guy I told mm -hmm. uh, and I said, would you hire me if, if, if I'm not married? And uh, I remember even starting to take the evidence and take pictures and take because uh, in case my integrity would ever be in question, I had evidence. See, it wasn't me. Mm. And um, started to even tell the kids, like, me and mommy aren't, aren't going to make it. And so you're at, you know, our friend's house in Ohio. And mm -hmm. uh, we were on the websites trying to find somewhere for you to go. And we finally landed on, you know, a spot. And she, now it was her turn or her time to try to convince you to go. Mm -hmm. She's like, Irene, if you had um, an injury, if you broke a leg, you would go to the doctor to yeah. go get help, to get a cast, to get it fixed. She's like, going to rehab is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you and the bravest thing you ever do because you're going to get to a doctor to see about your PTSD. Actually, she didn't call it PTSD. She yeah. called it trauma at the time. I yeah. didn't know I had PTSD. So she's like, you have been injured in your childhood as a result of sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, and that is real, and that pain is real, yeah. so let's go deal with it. And this treatment center, as we began to research together, and I read about, like, they deal with addiction through the lenses of trauma. I ignored the addiction part, because mm -hmm. I didn't want to face that. Yeah. I'm like, I, I can stop drinking when I feel like it. And uh, I looked at the trauma treatment, and I said, okay, I think I need that. Wow. I think that applies to me. And that's when I agreed to have the conversation with an intake specialist. Wow. And when I made that phone call and began to answer those questions, I began to weep and cry because I realized that as she was asking me questions, the, it basically the writing was on the wall that I had a problem and that I wasn't gonna be able to stop unless I got help. And 
that the trauma piece was real. Yeah. And I was going to use that to tell the staff because the shame was killing me. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going away for a little <laughs> while to go get trauma treatment. That's what I told everybody. And that was true. But I was missing the piece about my problem with alcohol. Yeah. So, yeah, ripping me away from my kids, that's what it felt like on the inside. Um, Going to the kids and saying, you said, you tell, like you said that you went to the kids and said, mommy is going to rehab. And they looked at you and said, why? Yeah. And I think that that was so crazy because they were so used to our dysfunction. They were so used to mommy blacking out and they thought that 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 was normal. Yeah. So I, made the decision to go and um when i came home and talked to the kids about it them looking in my eyes and saying mommy go go get better yeah we want you to get better i began to accept that i needed it it was hard Mm -hmm. it was difficult and even packing your bags dropping you off at the airport and i remember talking to a friend because we didn't trust you to get on the plane without getting drunk and we, one of our trusted friends that uh, you had, I said, can we tell her? And, and you said, yeah. And, and so I'm texting her. She's texting me the whole time. And, and I remember when you all arrived uh, at the rehab place, she says, you know, she texted me late and she says, we're here. I definitely needed her as an escort because I would have drank all the way there yeah. because the pain and the shame was just too much to bear. So I'm glad I had that escort. And when I got there, you know, I wasn't anticipate I didn't know what to expect I didn't realize they were going to take my shoelaces my belt like all of the things in my suitcase they searched my suitcase to see if I had anything in there and if there was anything in there that could harm myself or that a roommate or someone else in the place could use to harm themselves so I felt my dignity ripped away I cried the entire night long I just didn't think couldn't get any worse than that. It 100% was rock bottom. I felt you had left me, betrayed me. I felt alone. I did not feel like I had made a good decision to be there. I was still kicking and screaming at the idea that I had a problem. And um, the next morning when I finally had the courage to go put my stuff down in in my room and um, begin my doctor's visits. I'll never forget sitting in front of the doctor and he started sharing his story of and his journey of recovery and um, addiction and how he was a doctor with a family and he lost everything. I went back into my room after that doctor's visit and opened my Bible. And let me tell you, my Bible was dusty. (laughs) (laughs) I had not opened it in a while. And I just, I'll never forget just saying, God, just speak to me, please. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. And I was so fearful. And I opened it and just let it land where it may. And it was Psalm 27. And Psalm 27 promised me that I should wait on the Lord and be of good courage and that he would be with me. And even though I felt like my mother and my father had forsaken me, and I was such a wreck. He encouraged me to wait, wait on him and be of good courage. And that I was going to experience joy in the land of the living. And I 
will never forget that promise because that's what I hung on to in my darkest moments there. That first night I'm home, can't sleep, I'm crying. Mm -hmm. And um, a friend called and he said, hey man, I've been praying for you and something ain't right, what's going on? He knew nothing. Yeah. And I unpacked a little bit over the phone and and he's like, man, well, well, what you need right now is, is support. And what you need is a friend. And uh, I didn't know what that meant. And it was the very next day. Mm-hmm. I get a call from my kid's school that says, hey, can you approve uh, and, you know, Derek Golden to, to, to have lunch with your kids? And I was like, what? That's a true friend. And he showed up and... Mm-hmm. Before he came to me, went to the kids and and had lunch with the kids. And after I got home uh, that day, he, he came to the house and he said, "We need you. This story is going to be a story of redemption. This story is going to be a story of recovery." Yeah. And I, I wanted to believe him, but I'd already shut down. Mm-hmm. I, I need a minute. I'm sorry. Good, just they hadn't touched that one. I'm so sorry. I'll never forget sitting in counseling, crying, and I was like, I need to leave. This is not going to work. And our counselor said something that just kind of changed the script for me. She says, mm-hmm. Well, if you leave, Irene. The new Irene that comes home is not going to have the opportunity to heal the wounds that the old Irene created. Yeah. And that started the process of realizing that I'm sick too. My mind is crazy too. And she says, there's nothing different. She says, there's no level of sin, Pastor. Mm-hmm. You're in sin too. And I need you to get and have passion about your health, just like you have passion about her health. And I committed, I was going twice a week. Yeah. I started to find some glimpse of hope. Yeah. I started to get the glimpses of hope. We stopped arguing as much in our 10 minute phone calls a day. Yeah. I could sense that the kids were okay because you were taking them to therapy. You were going to therapy. Um, That eased my anxiety. I think that when um, you came up for family week, family week, we we had explosive conversations. But that moment (laughs) where we were sitting in the lunchroom and they said, when you leave these counseling sessions with your spouse, do not talk about anything but the news, news, the weather and sports. Yeah. And of course, me, Jimmy Rollins. I was like, are you ready to say you're an alcoholic? And you were, you immediately like shut down. And that's when the anger and the rage just got out of control in front of everyone. I I literally cursed you out and anyone who tried to intervene, I cursed them out and uh, threw chairs and stormed out. And 
uh, said, I'm done. And I remember your, your counselor and the counselor that we were seeing trying to call me. I wouldn't take their call. Uh, I went to the hotel, started packing my bag. Uh, I was crying uncontrollably on the car ride home. I called my dad and I was like, I'm done. This is it. I'm not doing it. And our friend and the pastors who knew we were going, I was going for family week. And so I get to the hotel room. Uh, my friend Kevin, been my friend since second or third grade. And uh, he was on our board and he called and said, hey man, uh, what's going on? And I told him, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And he's like, tell me about it. And he listened. And it wasn't a long conversation, about 10 minutes. And he said something that it resonates still with me today. What are you going to tell your son when your son asks you, did you do everything within your power to stay with mom? And that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. And I said, I'll try it. I'll give it a try. And I remember coming to this family day the next day with the counselor and having to apologize to her and the staff. And, and we jumped back in the process. And uh, I'm glad I did. I'm glad you did too. And you know, you left family week. Yeah. And I still had not admitted <laughs> that I had a problem with alcohol. And I remember going to uh, an A meeting because it was required. I wouldn't have gone to AA unless it was a requirement. Um, they, and I was listening to the stories of people who struggled with an alcohol and addiction. And I started to realize that, you know what, I relate to them. And I rose my hand and wow. said, I have something to say. And I said, my name is Irene and I'm an alcoholic. And the whole place got up and cheered because they had been waiting 38 days for me to finally admit I had an issue. A weight lifted off of me, a huge weight lifted off of me. And I remember calling you and sharing it with you over the phone. And it's like you cried. You started bawling on the phone and saying you, you were so relieved. And I was like, okay, I think I can go home now because I had finally admitted this problem. The shame of it was being lifted. It's like, Jimmy, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like God's grace and presence came in that moment and I accepted and received that I was broken wow. and that I needed help. And I got that coin and I remember looking at my celebratory coin um, and it was my 30 day coin. I was like, I'll go ahead and take my 30 day coin because by now it's been 30 days since I've drank. And um, I'll never forget my friends at rehab hugging me and saying, finally, girl, you're gonna get free and you're gonna help set so many other people free. It was the best Christmas mm -hmm. gift ever. And I remember that conversation we had, just having some level of hope and relief and just yeah. through the admittance mm -hmm. that I'm not crazy. Yeah, This hasn't, well, I'm crazy, but in this area. Yeah. And told the kids, mom's coming home Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we packed the car, they're excited, they're, Mom's been gone and um, our family's going to be back together again. And I'll never forget that car ride. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget pulling up to the airport and because they got out and, you know, you coming, you know, down after getting your luggage and just hugging 
them and embracing them. And I was just in the car bawling because mm. I really wanted our family. Mm. I didn't want to give up on our family. Yeah. And when you got into the car, the new Irene started healing the wounds hmm. that the old Irene created in this area. Yeah. And we started to have a new normal for our family. Yeah. And I remember just feeling so protective. I have to protect this. It was the first time I felt truly that I wanted my family more than a pulpit. Hmm. That I wanted my family more and the wind began to change. And I, I was no longer going to be successful at the wrong thing and forsake the right thing. And I realized this, that Hawaii had to happen. Hawaii had to happen. For us to start the journey of healing. We had to hit rock bottom. Next time on the Two Equals One Marriage Podcast. Like if you hadn't been by my side at the bed, I don't know if I'd be living. And I'm sorry for seasons of not standing by your side through the hardest part of your life. That will never happen again.